This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am Alex Fitton and I have the honor of being in your ears every single week to usher in hope and joy and me too with my guests. You can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and the Adoptive Mom Podcast and on Instagram at the Adoptive Mom. And don't forget to check out show notes, blog posts, and lots more resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. This is episode 12 of season five, episode 75 overall. And this episode is brought to you by Patreon supporter, Sarah Bridges. Thank you, Sarah, for believing in AMP and supporting it every month. And if you, listener, would like to get premium content like multiple weekly episode bonus shows, Bible study guides, free gifts, and more. Be more like Sarah and head to theadoptivemompodcast.com slash community to join. Friends, today we are going to sit down with Kelly Belt, host of Beauty is Rising podcast and founder of an amazing adoptive mom membership resource that we are going to talk all about in this episode. She has a background in marriage and family therapy, so she is so well-equipped to talk with us and walk with adoptive mamas through this hard season and make them feel not alone and loved. As always, I am psyched to jump in, but first, I want to be Facebook official with you and Instagram official for that matter. I try to be super active and responding and sharing and shout outing you guys who interact with me on social media. So I want to make sure that you are not missing out. Go and give me a follow on Instagram and friend request me on Facebook and join the Adoptive Mom community on Facebook and like the Adoptive Mom Facebook page. Just be sure that after you go and like the Facebook page, you go into the page settings and select to see AMP stuff first. Otherwise, it gets buried in the algorithm and you'll never see it. And I will be so, so sad. Okay. So I will hear from you on social media and you will hear from me right now. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom podcast. I'm super excited to be sitting here with a, um, a friend, a new friend, not a friend in real life. I love those episodes because I get to get to know them alongside you as the listener. So with that, that with all of that said, excuse me, I can't even talk. Welcome to the show, Kelly. How are you doing? I am good. Thanks for having me, Alex. Absolutely. I'm super excited to get to know you a little bit better. Um, with that in mind, you want to introduce us to your family? Sure. So I'm Kelly Belt. I, I live in small town, Oklahoma, Southeast Oklahoma. I've been married to my husband, Lloyd, for 22 years. And he is a school teacher, which is where I'm at right now in his empty classroom for the summer because it's a lot quieter here than at my house. <laughs> um, so that's what the background is. Um, and I have a 17 year, he's almost 18 year old bio son, a 15 year old bio son. And then our daughter is four and she is adopted from Ethiopia and she's been in our family for, it'll be two years in July. So I feel like a new adoptive mom still. <laughs> You're getting to like push the reset button on motherhood, but there's like all of these curveballs within all that. So you're you're getting a lot of new experiences, I bet. Oh yeah. So yeah. It's so different. A girl is so different and having like looking at teenagers and then 
she's kind of, you know, in that toddler stage, she's really finding a lot of words, but she's, so she's picking up a lot of words that (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't be normal for a four-year-old, I think. So yeah, it's definitely a curveball. I think that's a great way to say it. She's got some teenage sass going on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And the boys don't realize how sassy they are until they hear it from her. And then they're like, (gasps) of course, then they're dying on the floor too. Yeah, for real. So I think you and I have talked about this because we have um, a similar, we have some similarities within our family. So I have a 17, almost eight year, 18 year old as well. He is adopted though. Um, mm-hmm. And then my youngest is also a girl. And there's just like, I think that people can say that it's the same to have one boy that's the youngest, but oh my goodness, like it takes active work to make sure that she is not spoiled, like active, like trying every day. You have to wake up with the intention for her to not be spoiled. It's so hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and we have so many other intentions that are almost more important that I, yeah, I think it's, it's indefinite. But, oh my yeah. goodness. I love it. Well, okay. Well, okay. So you mentioned that she is from Ethiopia and that she's adopted. Um, I'm very interested to hear your adoption story because obviously this was not something that was like, okay, you know, we've had our bio kids and they're still young. Let's go ahead and, uh, you know, start our adoption process. You know, I, I want to imagine that you were like, these two boys are just so boring. You know, this is just easy. Let's, let's, uh, let's throw a kink in things, but... <laughs> That's what I want to imagine it was. I'm sure that that's not true. So just tell us your whole adoption story. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking, I was kind of recounting it this morning because um, it's so, in, it's very intense. Um, but we started, so both the boys came via C-section. Um, one, the last one, Micah, the 15 year old, he was born in the middle of the night. Still, even though it was supposed to be a planned C-section four weeks early. So it was just a little traumatic. Um, but I remember feeling like our family just wasn't complete. Um, and I remembered like sitting across from my husband at dinner and the boys had got up and, you know, ran off into saying, um, you know, I just don't feel like our family's complete. And he looked at me and he said, the only way we're adding to this family is through adoption. You are having no more babies. (laughs) (laughs) And which caught me by surprise because he had never really expressed that, you know, the, me having the boys like that was traumatic for him, you know, that made him uncomfortable. Um, and so I, that's where the seed was planted. Um, uh, I would say it was planted way before that, but that was like in me where it was like, Oh, this might be a possibility for a family adoption. Right. And so fast forward several years and, um, my friend was sitting, we were at dinner again and my friend was there and she just said, you know, um, what do you think about this adoption thing? And he was like, yeah, well, you know, and he, she looked at him and she said, listen, this is not one of those things where, cause our relationship is kind of like, <clears throat> where he says, she's going to do it anyway. So why do you want my input? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just kind of how we go. And so she said, this is not one of those things. Like she's not going to move forward with this unless you are a hundred percent. And he was like, I'm a hundred percent. And so, um, I, I like to say that's kind of where, and if you knew my husband, if you knew Lloyd personally, you would be like, oh, this is when God began the, I mean, like, because no one would have expected that he would like put that much effort into a girl in our family for one thing, because yeah. he's, he's not, you know, he, 
he, girls are scared of him because he's like <laughs> the school teacher and he, you know, like, um, and so, um, we began the process. So that was in, that was in like January of 2010 and we ended up, so, you know, the paperwork, all the paperwork, um, by the time we got on a wait list for Ethiopia, um, which is very much where God was, we felt God was calling us to adopt from. Um, we got on a wait list for number 97, which so much I've learned. <laughs> um, but we, that was January of 2011. Okay. So fast forward a year, fast forward a year, fast forward a year, fast forward a year. So four and a half years later. Wow. Um, yeah, we knew. Well, right at four years, we knew very clearly that, I mean, that our agency's Ethiopia program was going to be closing. And at that point, we had moved up. We were like in the top 10. If you went by parameters of what our, you know, we were a girl up to age three, you know, kind of got to set some of those specifics. We were actually the number one family for over a year, like where we could get the call for a referral anytime. Oh, but man. We but we didn't, but we didn't, you know? Yeah. So um, it's kind of painful to, to go back and to recount all that. But um, so we began just really to ask God, like, what are you doing? Like, okay, first of all, we believe you called us to this. And we had friends that would be like, why are you still waiting? Like, why aren't you doing, you know, like, I can't believe you're still waiting. You know, because it wasn't like we were matched, you know, it was like this dream of adoption. And so, and we very much saw ourselves as an adoptive family, but other people didn't really, you know, because that wasn't, they weren't the ones waiting for the phone call every single day. And so, um, I would just tell them, I'm just like, because God hasn't called, I mean, like he hasn't told us we can stop. Like this is, this is where he called us until he tells us something different. And so we began to see he was closing this door, though, and we're like, why would you call us to wait four and a half years, right? Like, why would you bring us to this point and close the door? Like, like that makes no sense, right? And so um, it was a time of, um, it, was, it was a really dark time for me. Um, I had had major surgery, uh, and so I was kind of, kind of just like restricted to, I couldn't drive. I was like restricted to the couch or the porch with my Bible and my coffee, like for 30 days. And so I just had a lot of time to talk to God and ask him, you know, like it was really more of a, if you're shutting this door, like you're going to have to shove us through the next one because it's so unclear like, it's so unclear. And it was, um, I mean, we, we searched other um, countries, and it's just like, he just would not release us from Ethiopia. Like, we knew it. Like, the whole family knew it. Um, we knew we weren't going back on a wait list. Uh, so I was sitting, uh, I was sitting outside under a tree. I was talking to the president of our adoption agency because I just needed that confirmation, you know, like, I need to let go of this, you know, because you kind of kept holding on to the program's not closed yet. There's going, our daughter is fixing to be right in front of them and we're going to get the call, you know, and, um, and she was just like, I, it's just not like, I know that it's closing. And I was just like, I had just been, you know, obviously broken. Um, I was obviously 
in deep grief, really. Um, but I honestly, and I had my phone in front of me, so I'm going to show, like, I had hung up the phone with her. And I was late for a doctor's appointment. So I was, like, sitting in my pajamas, I remember, outside. And my husband's kind of like, we've got to go. What are you doing? <laughs> and um, I had a friend, another adoptive mama, who messaged me on, on Facebook Messenger. And had I not been, like, on my phone, like, going to hang up, I wouldn't have seen it. But she said, did you see this little girl that was posted, that was just posted in one of the, the Facebook groups? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I'm, I haven't been, you know, on there. And she told me the agency that she was with. And, of course, I get on there and I'm looking. And I said, okay, well, you know, I've got a doctor's appointment. I'll just email him. And I ask about her. And she said, how about you call him? And she, like, put the phone number in the like in messenger, like she put it there. So, you know, and you know, when it's like that, you can just hit the number and it calls. Right. And so in the meantime, I had pulled up, um, this little baby's picture, her profile. And I like walk through, I remember like I walk through my, I like show the phone to my husband as I'm walking in the front door, out the back door calling. Right. And so, um, I get a hold and the crazy thing is she was a waiting child, but I had just asked the agency, the same agency, like three days before for the waiting child list. And she wasn't on it. Hmm. Um, She was on it, but she's not what they like. She wasn't in the information they had given me. Well, I was able to say, listen, we are paperwork ready, like in Ethiopia, like our dossier is there. It's been there for four years, you know, like um, we're ready. And, Immediately, she said, listen, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to send you her file. I'm not going to let any families, you know, have it until you, you have a chance to review it and make a decision. And um, I went back to that Facebook post, and, like, within an instant, there were, like, 10 families that were, like, we just called. There's a family reviewing her file. We just <gasps> called. There's a family reviewing her file. We just called. And I was, like, we are that family. Oh, my um, goodness. I have chills. Yeah. So, it was, like, uh it was, it was like one of those moments. Um, yeah, it was just, it was so surreal. Um, because the other thing that had happened is like, I had just, I had just been like in this spiritual discussion with God, you know, I had just had my Bible and I had just said, okay, God, you know, I've like tried to lay out this is how I want it to go. This is how I want for years. And it, and so I'm just going to really put my heart out there and say, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I really want to tell Noah that he has a sister when he goes to church camp for the first time. And he was leaving on Monday. And I was like, and I'm, I'm saying it because that's my heart. Like that would just be amazing. And I know it's impossible. I know it's impossible. So I, I, but I'm just, coming clean with with all my heart's desires here, you know, and just the pain of so much hope that's been lost and so much. And um, when he like answered that prayer, like specifically that, I mean, like was the biggest impossibility in my mind. I mean, we didn't even know that there were other agencies really actively working, you know, and I had already looked and there were no children that matched our perimeters. And so here's this beautiful little, she was seven months old at the time. And so, um, we were just like, it was, it was just such a, that's the moment that I remember 
where I, I remember having this conversation with God and I did a lot of walking on our, on our driveway, on our road, um, a lot of walking and praying and just going, I have never felt so loved and seen by you. Like I've been, I've spent four and a half years, not like not feeling seen at all, like in the shadows of everyone else. Um, and I can do anything. I can, I can handle anything in this life as long as I always feel like, as long as I always can realize that it, it was just like this, it was just like this most amazing part of my spiritual journey. And it's so, it, it's so frustrating because it was, it's so hard to explain that feeling like that, you know, like, but everything's okay. If you can honestly really know how much God loves us. Like I can, like, I just remember going, everything's okay. Like everything's okay. As long as you're with me, as long as I can know that you're here. And so of course I was like running through this finish line. Like we waited four and a half years. Like I see the finish line. We are here. Right. And, um, we had to change some things to get like our, our home study different, a little different for this new agency. And, um, about it was about three and a half weeks in and I was like they're like they're they they're not moving forward like I'm calling you know but I got a call from our caseworker our new caseworker and she says I could tell in her voice and she says we still have her and when she said that because she was in the agency's transition home so she was in their care I really felt like um like, like she was going to, I really could tell from her voice. I thought she was going to tell me like she'd passed away or something. I mean, it was that intense. Um, wow. And it moved forward from that moment that they had had a falling out with the orphanage director that had guardianship over our daughter, even though she was within the agency's care. Um, and he was not, he was not willing to sign the necessary paperwork to continue this. And so, um, I just felt like at that moment, I was just like, I, I don't know what's happening. I mean, like we were all in, this is our daughter. Right. And so they tried to refer us another, another child even. Um, and we were like, no, mm -mm, this is, I mean, like we had, I feel like God used that four and a half moments to tell us, to get us to the point where we're like, we do not care what it takes. Yeah. Like this is our daughter because at that point our hearts were so ready to, to give ourselves, you know, to her and for her to be ours. Um, so, and, and that began the two year fight at that point to get her home. So, um, we watched her, we got monthly, sometimes weekly because we had fam so many families traveling because, there were families that had been referred a year after us that were coming home, you know, like much, much quicker within nine months. And so, um, yeah, two years it took us. Wow. So is Ethiopia a one visit or a two visit country? So, well, ours was very um, not normal, <laughs> but we actually did three, three okay. visits. Um, and because at the end we were, um, at, at the very end, Ethiopia suspended adoptions. Um, and so that also felt very like, 
how, how did we get this far again, God, you know, but, but for me, that was like the, the, the evidence that he was truly in the fight. Like mm-hmm. when, because like we were three months of your, your last piece of paperwork is on the front, like at the top of the pile, ready to be signed. So it was like three months of, did they sign today? Did they sign today? Did they sign today? To, hey, it's, he's not looking at it to, like they set up a meeting. He's not looking at it today to the next day. Adoptions were suspended. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So it was not, none of our, um, none of our trips were normal in that sense. So. Yeah. But you got to meet her beforehand. Um, tell us about the, the final homecoming. Yeah. So, um, she was, she would have been two and a half. She was just walking. She didn't start walking until she was two and a half. She'd only been walking about, um, I guess about three months before we brought her home. So, um, I actually, we had been, my husband and I had gone and spent about 10 days. And then two weeks later, we actually got our final approval to go into, in two more weeks. And so, um, he stayed home, kind of held down the fort at home. And I actually took our boys and then my sister-in-law and um, went and brought her home. And it was just a very, it was a very surreal, like it was, it was all of it was, it's kind of a blur almost. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So. Oh my goodness. That is a very long time. Like, oh my, like for my personality type, it says it. So looking at the Enneagram, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, um, but I'm a one and literally in the like highlighted description, not like the extended full out description, but it's like struggles with patience. <laughs> like that's one of the <laughs> like, most notable attributes of my personality type. <laughs> so I'm sitting here like biting my nails, like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. And I, I also... I want to go back there because you talked about your relationship with God there. What was, you you know, you mentioned at your best or at your brightest point when you said, I can do anything if I feel this, if I feel your love, if I feel your light shining on me, what was the darkest place there? What was the time that you struggled the most with God? And what was, what was the, was there a point where you were like, I I can't do this anymore? Um, You know, and I think that, we say that a lot, especially as adoptive moms, there are, I feel like over and over again, we throw our hands in the air and we say, I'm done, I'm out, I can't do it anymore. And then we do it again, again, and again, and again. So was there that point for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the point where, and and this is just like real, raw, honest, um, I and even almost two, well, now it's almost three years later. Um, I struggle with, so um, right before we got our referral, I had set up a, a prayer room. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking like a couple weeks before, like we actually saw her face um, where, I, you know, I had gone in and posted scriptures and um, well, that point at that moment where we had said yes, and then we felt like we were going to lose our referral, like we were going to lose her. Um, that was definitely like I have never been like I didn't sleep. I just laid 
and just laid in the floor of that closet and prayed. And uh, it was really a, a, a dark, dark, it was a, it was a battle. I felt like I was in a, a very spiritual battle. Like, um, and, and after a season, I honestly, I shut the door and, um, I described to someone almost like, I still feel like there's like blood on the walls from the battle. Like mm-hmm. it's too painful still, like even revisiting that time. <coughs> it's, it's painful. So Wow. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's such an amazing description because I can see it, you know, like, uh-huh. as you say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Uh-huh. Oh girl. And, you know, I'm sure I know this has crossed your mind, but it's crazy because, you know, if you had gotten your way in the beginning when you wanted your referral, you know, within months or whatever, uh, you know, she mm-hmm. wasn't born yet. Like she didn't exist yet. And yeah. I think that that's so many, you know, international adoptions. I, I've heard that over and over again, that, you know, if they had gotten their way, their daughter wouldn't exist or their daughter wouldn't have existed yet or son or whatever, um, which is such a cool feeling. Um, it doesn't make the waiting any easier, but good grief. So, okay. So take us to now. Your daughter is, you said four, right? Uh-huh. What is her name? Addie Bay. Oh, that's cute. And, and actually picked that name seven years before she came home. So like wow. I told you, you know, when, when he called us to adoption and then starting the paperwork and um, yeah, so we literally prayed her by that name, like seven years. Oh girl, that's amazing. So what, um, what were, what are the hardest things you struggle with right now and the most joyful things you have in your home right now with her? Yeah. So um, I think for me, I think it's me. <laughs> I'm the part that struggles. Um, I and and I am. Uh, I'm still a very much a work in progress. So, what I learned, um, and then this is part of the story that I hadn't shared. But in that wait, um, I lost my mom. My mom passed away to cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my grandma, which was my greatest mentor, prayer warrior. Um, and then a year before Addie came home, my best friend was uh, killed in a car wreck. And so there was just a lot, a lot of grief happening. Um, and so what I'm learning is that there's this part of me, because our brains, you know, are wired to protect ourselves. I mean, that's the same things our kids are doing, right? So <clears throat> I my brain immediately goes into don't experience too much joy because Mm -hmm. life is really all about loss. Life is really all about grief and hard and it's going to continue to be hard. And so I really have to, I have to fight that like every single day. Like when something is hard with her, I like my mind will go, what's it going to be like when she's 16? Like, you know, um, and so, uh, honestly, yeah, that's, it's me. I'm the biggest struggle. <laughs> <laughs> um, the biggest joys uh, has been watching her, um, her little personality just blossom. I mean, it's just been like, she is so full of sass, but I worried for so long about her attachment. Like, you know, like, in that way, like, is she going to be able to attach to me? Mm-hmm. Um, I worked really hard and, and I just crossed my eyes right then because I worked really hard in the beginning. 
um, to make sure, you know, so much so that I wasn't taking care of myself. You know, I kind of like was in that cocoon and that cocoon kind of translates to you're on your own. Like, right. But I see that differently now. I see I could have done some things different, but um, she is very like when she says, you know, when she just calls me mama and puts like last night, she just snuggled up to me and puts her hands on my face, you know, and um, just giggles when she giggles and watching her with the boys, because, you know, this was really a spiritual journey for them, you know, to see God show up and really answer prayers, you know, and they are very much, they are fiercely attached to her, like fiercely protective of her. Like, does she um, have them wrapped around her finger? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, they definitely fight. Like she definitely like, um, but it's just, yeah. It's so great to watch them like watch like Noah thing. Noah's thing right now is she wants to be near me when I'm working on my computer. So she'll go to sleep. She wants to go to sleep on the couch. Um, And he carries her downstairs for me because she's like 45 pounds now. She's just like, (laughs) um, and he's like, so it's, it's a really sweet and he's about to go to college. And so like, for me, I'm just like, I know he's coming back. Maybe not for his mama, but for his sister. I have a four-year-old too. And I feel like that is, I have heard actually um, from Heather McFadden, who was on another episode, um, an earlier episode of the podcast. She said that four and 14, that she, she read this or heard this or something that that's when um, children have either a testosterone or estrogen spike. And so I like that makes them really attached, but also more moody. And so it's, it's been really interesting now that I know that I look at my son and I'm like, yes, I can see that because he's such a mama's boy. But at the same time, he's like, he'll like snuggle up to me and then start like barking like a dog or growling or something like that. And I'm like, what just happened? You were, we were just sitting here and you were being very sweet. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) anyway, uh, four is such a special age. Well, I'll tell you, this is kind of um, interesting. So Noah, when he, you know, that's my 17-year-old, when he is like kind of being, he thinks he's funny, right? Silly. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask him to do something like, Noah, unload the dishwasher. And he'll say, you're not my dad. (laughs) Right? Like, so just as a joke, like, you know, funny. Yeah. She picked that up. And so then when she gets mad, she'll say, you're not my brother. You're not my brother or you're not my mama. Like when she gets really, really mad, you know? And so I've had to like breathe, like make, like be intentional about that, not being a trigger for me and then not, and not like responding, you know? And it sounds really awful, especially like you're out in public and you know, like she's not getting the piece of gum that she wants or she's not, you know? And obviously I told you she is from Ethiopia. We do not look alike (laughs) to be like, you know, my mama, you know? Um, But I've had to go, I have had to realize like it's something she picked up from them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, Oh my goodness. Hey guys, just cutting in here to remind you guys about my weekly newsletter coming in hot every Monday morning with links to the week's episode, exclusive photos and info, fun stuff that I'm into each week, and a note just from me. To sign up for Alex Mail and never miss a thing with AMP, head to theadoptivemompodcast.com slash community. Okay, back to the show. We are kindred spirits in another way, not just with our children's ages, but we are both 
people who take this situation, you know, this adoptive motherhood, um, and we are not satisfied with just letting it be, with letting it, and I don't mean that like leave it alone. I just mean letting it be what it is and accepting that and accepting how hard it is and watching other mothers flounder in the difficulty. So what are what are the things that you are doing? And I'm super excited because I think that you, as of right now, you have not talked too much about your newest project. Um, so I feel like we're getting an exclusive. You, you really are. You really, <laughs> really are. Yeah. So, um, I started a podcast like you, um, about, uh, in April and, um, yeah, we have a, those, I don't know if oh, you can see. Yeah. The beauty is, yes, the beauty is rising. <laughs> yeah. And that came from that dark season of feeling like, you know, that out of the ashes beauty will rise. Um, where I just had to hold on to the beauty is coming. I can't see it. It's I can't see it, but it is coming to me, right? Um, and I think we have to hold on to that in those dark moments because we all have them. You know, yeah. all that loss that I mentioned, um, I'm not the only one that, that it, I mean, like we're all going to go through that kind of loss, right? Um, yeah, so with the with the podcast, I have made some incredible connections. Um, so much that I realize, like, and and every time I make a connection with someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta tell my friends. Oh my gosh, I gotta tell. You know, like I, that's just my personality. I don't want to share that. Um, and so, um, actually, I'm I'm hosting a virtual, it's a virtual mom, a virtual adoptive mom conference. And mm-hmm. so from that, ha- is spurring this adoptive mom membership. And it's called the, and you know, this morning I was like, I'm going to call it something. Uh, it's called the Confident and Connected Adoptive Mom Membership. And that came from me realizing, like, when I'm struggling, it's, and it's about my insecurities. It's about my um, not feeling my worth, like me not stepping into that and then expecting something from her. And when we expect something from our children to meet our own needs, like we're setting us all up for a disaster, right? Like yeah. spiraling out of control. And I think that's something I failed to mention that I learned too. Um, with the weight and with the hard, I just, in my mind, I had just focused on getting her home. And then I had this like expectation that once I got her home, all that pain that I had been feeling would be gone right like like she would fill the void of the loss that I had experienced like the the weight I would immediately see and that was just like so dumb, so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the best way that I can say it like how unfair for her to for me to put that on her um so so recognizing like if I can be confident in who I am in Christ and come into my relationship with her in that confidence. I mean, like we all know when you walk into a room with someone that's confident, like, you know, they see you without trying to take from you to fill their own, you know, like not, not a proud person, not an arrogant person, but confident. Um, so much different than someone who's insecure, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, and you can imagine with the transition of adoption from our, our kids from hard places, like imagining an insecure mom and a confident mom, like, which one is the kid going to, which one are they going to thrive with? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the connected part of it. Um, 
And so that is going to be like a whole, there's like a whole bunch of, I'm actually just beta, beta launching it first. So um, it's going to kind of be evolving into this. What do adoptive moms really need? Like what's the best way to support them? Um, it's going to consist of some ex, an expert, not me, an expert, <laughs> um, giving some, some kind of training and then allowing the moms that are part of the membership to come in and ask all their questions, right? So that kind of support. But then there's a whole nother side of support that I, I know is so needed. Um, and that's just going to be connecting them with other adoptive moms. And I have some really creative ways that I'm working on um, doing that because I think so much of the time um, the enemy allows us to think we are alone right? He gets us alone and then yes. he isolates us within ourselves. Like we don't want to tell people we're struggling. We don't want to like, you know, go through that and giving a safe place to talk like a community separate from a Facebook group where you're just like laying your stuff out there for who knows, you know, what kind of responses you're going to get. Right. But it's almost going to be set up like a match.com. I think like, okay, where are you in your, you know, cause like for us, like me and you with um, the, teenagers and the younger kids like we have some different mom challenges you mm -hmm. know and when we're stressed as moms uh, we our kids feed off of that like mm -hmm. so so I'm learning new words like right like we're dysregulated right like we're in that state we kind of put them in that through our own stress and so um, for me mothering I'm kind of I this is terrible, but I kind of thrive in chaos. I, I, I have switched my Enneagram number, so I don't even want to go there right now. I just don't <laughs> want to, I don't want to talk about that. Um, but my gosh, my daughter does not thrive in chaos, right? Mm. Like she <laughs> needs that structure. And so that causes a lot of stress for me. Like I need support in areas. I didn't need support before. Like my boys, that's how I've mothered them. And they are graceful for it. Like that's their life. They love that. But my four-year-old needs structure. And oh my word. Yeah. So, so looking at all the, the areas that moms, like we show up for our families um, that we need support in. So. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, you skipped over something because it's not like you, uh, you're not like me where you're just like, I'm just a mom and I'm going to talk about motherhood, but you actually have a background in this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have, um, a social work degree and then a master's in marriage and family therapy. Um, and I kind of feel like that's where God has, has used me to recognize like, okay, there are resources over here that these people can't get to that I need to be able to connect the dots. Like, how do they not know that, you know, like I see it, like that's just how my brain works to find the resources, right? Like to do the work, to find the resources. And um, so many moms don't even know what's available yeah. like, for support, you know, like. And well, and so, it's such a unique goal because it's not, you know, I, you said that you have your master's and that's your background, um, but you're not a practicing counselor right now. So I think that that's such a unique role for you to say, maybe I'm not the end goal, um, you know, uh, professional here. Maybe I'm not the one that can actually do the counseling, but I can be that liaison. I can be the one that says, you know, here's what you need. I'm going to put you two together. So I love that you called it a match.com because that's what you are. You are the match.com. Um, right, right. 
And I think that, I mean, we need that. And I think that that's, that's a role that nobody thinks to fill. Nobody says that's where I'm at. You know, you're either the one in need or the one who can help. But I think that the, the role of the person who puts two and two together, I, I love that. I love how unique that is. And I think it's so necessary. And, you know, like I said, we're getting an exclusive here. So I can't wait, you know, by the time we're recording this before, of course, before the episode's right. going to launch. So by the time it launches, I'll have so many more resources to put in the show notes to connect you guys as the listeners to Kelly um, to see, you know, how this, this training and this coaching and these virtual conferences can help you and can fill those gaps in your life where you're struggling. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to be able to follow along with your journey. And in the meantime, like you said, your podcast has already launched. And you guys, I got to do an episode of her podcast, which is so fun. Um, and I'll, of course, link to that in the show notes. Um, but what are some things you have in store for your podcast? Yeah, so I'm kind of, I've taken a, a couple of different <clears throat> of different um, angles. Um, I really like talking to moms who I know their story is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they have overcome and they're kind of like in the shadows, right? Like people, like they don't have any other way to share. And so like really getting their voice, being their voice to get it to connect them with um, with the world, really, with the world of adoptive moms. And I, I think, and I know for you, like that, the, a podcast, because you can listen Mm-hmm. Um, while you're doing laundry, you can listen, you know, it just is a way that I hope moms can feel connected to other moms who are just simply trying to do better, right? Like who have, who've overcome, who, ha- and, and that's kind of what I really try to do on the podcast is say, is kind of get people to really admit where they struggle, kind of like you just did, but, <laughs> you know, like really bring that out. And, and it's funny because moms really want to talk about it. Like they want to talk about it. Um, And so that's been a lot of fun. But I also, um, because I'm kind of this, I have this business background, um, I'm really going to be um, diving in with some adoptive moms who have used their, like who have also used their role as adoptive moms to kind of build a business, Mm -hmm. you know, or not just even a business, maybe a nonprofit, like where, where God has, said you're not done yet yeah continue on so that's a lot of fun I love that well girl let's get into some of these closing questions um okay so what do you wish that someone had said to you at the beginning of this journey oh buckle your (laughs) seatbelt buckle your seatbelt take care take care of you I Mm -hmm. think um priority I started the journey as someone who like gave, 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 gave to everyone. Like that was my, and I didn't realize that that's how I was like filling my worth mm-hmm. until I was depleted and couldn't do it anymore. And then, you know, so I think building those resources, absolutely. I would, I wish that, um, I would not have gone this whole, that's them. I'll be different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we all do that though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I got it right to myself. You yeah. Know? yeah. Oh my goodness. So, what do you wish you had done differently? Um, I think those first those first months home, 
I wish I would have uh, like scheduled some time, some downtime for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, like ask, like kind of set expectations and ask for what I needed uh, at beforehand. Like, like anticipated that that's what I would needed. You know, just even if, um, because my family had not been used to me needing anything because I was always the, and so then when I did. It it kind of came as a you better let me go to Walmart by myself. You know, yeah, crazy, you know. And they're like, "What is go?" You know, and 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 then kind of spiraled in this guilt of you know it made me feel guilty. And so I think just working on boundaries and and expecting like kind of filtering in that margin, like creating some margin for myself because it was a lot. It's a lot when our kids are adjusting and we're adjusting too, um, to process, you know, to just, and I didn't have a lot of time to do that. Yeah. Um, okay. And so what, what was the best way that your people, your tribe squad, whatever you want to call it, what is the best way they supported you and the worst way you felt supported or attempted Mm -hmm. to be supported? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think I did a good job of like telling them like the whole cocooning thing. Like Mm -hmm. I think I, you know, it had four and a half years to tell them. And then by the time she was coming home, I was like, just get back. Like, (laughs) like I've been the one fighting for this. Like, I don't really care what you need from, you know, like seeing her, holding her, taking care of her. So I would say like our, um, we felt very, very prayed for and um, people showed up with meals and people showed up with, you know, tiny fingernail clippers, like all those things that, you know, our boys didn't need anymore that I had just thrown out, like things I didn't think about, you know, so um, that was definitely the best way, like feeling very, very loved and like she was very loved. Um, and then you asked me what was the worst way? Um, yes. I think it was a, it was an, like something they would never have, like people wouldn't know to think, but to not ask me how I was doing, mm. right? Like it was always how she was doing, like how things were, you know, yeah. um, like I wish I would have had a friend that would have really like, okay, <laughs> your world's been turned. And I, I honestly, I probably, I mean, I had a couple of them, but so I think people, just expecting that kind of what I had thought it would be like, you know, that everything would just be healed within me. Um, so that's a, I think that's a good one though. And honestly, that's why the podcast exists because there are so few eyes on the mom. And I feel like we, you know, we're the, we're the front lines, we're the, mm-hmm. the warriors and um, we get overseen or overlooked a lot. Um, So yeah, yeah, that's why the podcast exists. So I love that that's your answer. (laughs) Um, Okay. So if you could sum it all up into one piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive moms, what would it be? Um, Surround yourself with, sorry, uh, community with, with people who are doing the same life as you. Like don't allow yourself to, to believe this lie that you're the only one feeling the way you're feeling. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I love that. 
Um, well, okay, Miss Kelly, where can we find you on social media and how can we get plugged in with your new business, your new, um, I don't know, your new outreach to adoptive moms? Yeah. So I have a website, kellybelt.com. And then, of course, the um, the podcast is Beauty is Rising. It's Beauty is Rising at on Instagram at Beauty is Rising and on Facebook at Beauty is Rising. So... Awesome. And I'll have all of that in the show notes, of course. And Kelly, I'm just so excited that you sat down with us. I'm really excited to get to follow along with what the work you're doing for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Alex. This has been great. I'm, I I thank you so much for having me and letting me get all that out, you know, letting me share um, my story. That's really been the first time that I've shared it. Um publicly like really oh girl it's a good story like i said i was getting chills i was like on the edge of my seat at points it's a good one (laughs) cool well thank you so much thank you thank you so much for listening to the adoptive mom podcast i hope you found encouragement here i need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job we are all in this together and i am over here cheering you on Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.